You want to bet like the Not For The Bay podcast? Go sign up with BetUS Sportsbook, where you can get in the game. Provides multiple sports, online casino, and live betting. Has easy deposits, fast payouts, so sign up today using promo code NFD to receive 125% in bonuses. BetUS. Bet wherever, whenever. This should be played wow, this What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Not For Debate. I know it's been a while. Uh, if you're watching the visual version on YouTube, like you see in the quality is looking looking crisp. Uh, we Today is going to be, you know, we're going to get our feet wet. We're going to have a, 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 pretty, a pretty good show. Uh, we're going to jump into Madden 23, obviously dropped the other day. Uh, a little brief review. Touched, touched on it, just adapt, excuse me, dabbled in it a little bit. Um, Hard Knocks came on tonight. We're going to be talking about episode two. Uh, I know I ended up missing episode one, so we'll probably get into a little bit in episode one. Not too deep, though, but uh, majority of episode two. And uh, Roquan Smith, the trade request. We want to have a discussion about that. And last but not least, we got Ben Simmons him selling with the 76ers as far as uh, – the money that he missed out on it during the 2021 season. But again, man, like it's been a minute. We back, um, got ourselves a new camera. If you, again, if you are watching the visual version, like you're going to be seeing that joint be looking crisp. Like we sitting here when in 1080p pixelation, like it's looking profesh, but, uh, first things first though, let's go ahead and, uh, let's go ahead and, uh, get into this, this hard knocks, the Detroit Lions hard knocks, which I'm really enjoying, by the way. Um, I know me and Banks ended up making a, uh, a Detroit Lions video before, and we we sat down and made our predictions as far as the the Detroit Lions of where we see them seeding in the NFC NFC North. Um, I gotta say, man, like just watching Dan Campbell interact as a head coach with the Detroit Lions like he's kind of making a believer out of me now this isn't my first experience with Dan Campbell because he's with the Miami Dolphins uh back in 2015 after he was the interim head coach after Joe Philbin got fired which I, you never want to see anybody get fired but I gotta say what I need to say like I feel like the, the Dolphins just lost just lost it with with Joe Philbin that whole situation that season, the way we were losing games went under under him as our head coach that year was just ridiculous. And then Dan Campbell came in as the interim head coach. His first two games were were amazing. Like we he instilled this aggressive attitude into the Miami Dolphins, and it only lasted two games. <laughs> it only lasted two games. Only we blew out the Houston Texans and, and the Tennessee Titans. Like they were huge deficit wins, and I'm like, all right, look, it's looking like the Miami Dolphins. They're going to be, 
looking like they're going they're going to try to be getting into the playoffs. And then sure enough, it was a prime time game against the New England Patriots, and I believe Cam uh, Cam Wake blew his Achilles, and we end up losing to the Patriots by a large margin. So I was like, up oh, right back to the same old Dolphins, I guess. So yeah, Dan Campbell. My only thing is with Dan Campbell. Hopefully, his 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 coaching style, which is a big huge concern for me, is the fact that hopefully the players don't get burnt out by his coaching style because he, he's stern. Like it's, 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 it's great to see on TV. Like he's, he's, it's, it's very, very motivating. Uh, me, as far as me sitting on my couch to go up there and play. But again, I, I want to see the longevity as far as that coaching style. How far can he take the Detroit lions as a head coach? Now, like I said, I did want to go ahead and cover a couple things uh, in the first episode that I didn't get a chance to do earlier. Uh, they have a lot of ex-player coaches on the on the on on the on their on their coaching staff with with Hank Fraley, who's played for the Philadelphia Eagles, and Mark Brunel was a quarterback for a couple of teams, the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Washington Football Team. Uh, Antoine Randall L, obviously the Super Bowl winning Steelers. Uh, with the receiver, went up throwing that touchdown pass in the Super Bowl to Heinz Ward, if I'm not mistaken, in 2005. You have Kelvin Shepard, bounced around the league a little bit with the Miami Dolphins. I remember his, I think his last stop was the Miami Dolphins with the Buffalo Bills at a time. Uh, Aaron Glenn was a corner uh, for the Jets, the Texans. I want to say the Cowboys, and there's another team that Aaron Glenn played for. And then, of course, uh, Deuce Staley, uh, he played for the Eagles, the Saints, and I can't remember the other team that Deuce Daly played for. But it's crazy. Like when I sit here and I look at some of these 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 coaches for this team, I'm like, man, like it's literally where the years have gone. I'm sitting here and I'm watching some of these guys coach, and I actually sat down when I was a kid and watched these guys play. So it's 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 just amazing to see. It's just amazing to see some of the plays that I actually sat down and I've watched in the past now one of the key one of the key uh matchups that i was that i really was looking forward to was 2021's first round pick ada hudson and 2020's first round pick penesa will go at it each other considering the fact penesa right tackle and ada hudson is a, is a defensive end like who's those matchups those are going to be exceptional matchups that i wanted to sit back and actually wanted to watch so we got to get we got a little taste of that uh early on in the in the first episode now i will say this though when you look at when you look at aiden hutchison in a in a regular i guess social environment when he's in the interacting with his family and, and the coaches when he doesn't have the pads on he looks really really small he really looks he literally looks really really small and it's it, it i can understand why some of the draft experts weren't very very high of him coming out of michigan at the second overall pick because of the that that that, that whole situation as far as him not being able to uh dominate the nfl as far as his is is his his his, his 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 body type he's small uh but like so far in hard knocks, he's doing everything that he's supposed to be doing, living up to that 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 first round pick expectations. Uh, but let's go ahead and just move on to episode two, which was tonight's episode. So 
there's only like three, three, three key things that really stuck out to me in this episode. Obviously, uh, Deuce Staley, as far as him mentoring uh, DeAndre Swift, like motivating him to 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 be, I don't want to say tougher as a running back, but encouraging him to be better. Like he, he's sitting there encouraging him to be to be better. Like during the course of the preseason game, how he was telling him, like, "Yo, you gotta you gotta take what take what the defense gives you." Like him going on film during the course of one of the practices, telling him that, like, "Yeah, you can't give up on the play. You got to be aggressive with the with the with the defender. Put your hand out for a stiff arm. You could possibly get into the end zone for a touchdown." Like it's it, it's. It puts the microscope on DeAndre Swift because everybody knows DeAndre Swift. He can he's a pretty good running back. As in exactly put himself in that in that top five range as far as running backs are concerned. But like DeAndre Swift is well on his way to being a pretty a very good running back. Very good running back. Uh I guess point number two, which was very interesting, was backup quarterback David Blau his wife like we got to I, I like these backstories that they they add in adding these hard knocks like things that people never possibly knew about a about a backup player or players in general because we're going to get to uh ross st brown in a second but uh david blau's wife melissa gonzalez she 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 was in the olympics like in the, like in tokyo she ran the 400 meter hurdles i believe so like it, it was it was very very interesting to see them in his in his spare time coaching up his wife like it's 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 one of those most amazing things you want to sit down and watch and also those 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 like people them the NFL players outside of playing in the NFL they actually have regular normal people lives like they do regular normal people things so it's it was it was very it was very good to watch now. Ross St. Brown, right? Which I I really didn't even put the microscope on Ross St. Brown. Like I knew he was a good receiver. Um, but I had no idea that he went this late in the in the NFL draft. I believe it was like a fourth round pick. I gotta pull it up right here. Fourth round pick. His fourth round pick was 112 in the 2021, uh, 2021 draft. Last year he had 90 catches. 912 yards and five touchdowns and when you look at it i believe he was placed one two three four five fifth fifth in 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 rookie receivers last year and when you look at some of the guys on the list like you got jamar chase on the list you have Jalen waddle Devontae smith and those are the only the only three wide receivers ahead of him as far as the rookie wide receivers in the 2021 season that actually finished better than him. Uh, and considering the fact they were Rashad Bateman, Nico, Nico Collins, um, uh, Josh Palmer, Kadarius Tony, like I believe John Bates too, as well. They all, these guys all finished ahead of him and he was able to, he was able to memorize exactly what, what pick each received that went ahead of him went because he has that big huge chip on his shoulder and i'm not gonna sit here and lie to you like he was at the end of practice he was he was doing he was catching balls off the off the the ball machine and he was he was saying like yeah i catch about 200 200 something balls a game 
I mean, 200 something balls after each practice. And then like he didn't have his shirt on and you could just see like he had like one of the best looking receiver bodies I've seen in my life. Like he's on like that T.O. Terrell Owens body type level where you sit there and look at his body. And then, like I said, we're going to go back to what I was saying earlier. Like it's good to see it's good to watch in hard knocks, get to know like certain get to know the players, like some of the backstories, how they got to where they got to. And Ross St. Brown. His father was a bodybuilder in the 1980s. Uh, it was John Brown. His father, John Brown, was a bodybuilder in the 1980s, and it showed him as he was growing up. I believe he said he was in middle school when he first started training with his father, like him him being lifting weights and putting himself in, in the best shape. And his father, too, is amazing, too, as well, because when you sit down and, when you, and you just watch his father, like he's very, very – He's very, very in tune of what's going on with with what's going on in Ross A. Brown's life. Well, he was a big, huge football fan, Detroit Lions fan, because he do he do Aiden Hutchinson, he do who the linebacker was, uh Rodriguez. Like he's he he's he, he's very involved. Even took a shot at Kevin Durant in there about his Achilles, how he needed to trade, how he needed to trade his Achilles. Like Ross A. Brown's father, John Brown, is is, is a character for sure. But I really, really enjoyed. I'm really, really enjoying the the Hard Knocks Detroit Lions 2021. I can't wait till episode three. Um, but back to what I was saying at the beginning of the pod about the possibility of the Detroit Lions. It's it, it may be that may be end up coming in third place now because before I had them sitting in fourth in the NFC North. I'm like, hmm. Is it, it's it's very very hard for me to put them over the Chicago Bears, but considering the fact we don't know what's gonna go what's gonna go down with uh, Roquan Smith and his trade request, um, I gotta put them I got I gotta put them in in the close third because if they if the Bears lose Roquan Smith that's gonna be a big huge blow. But speaking of Roquan Smith, right? So it was last week on Tuesday. It was yeah. Last week on Tuesday, he requested a trade because he was unhappy of the negotiation talks with the uh, Chicago Bears uh, management team. And it was reported that Smith doesn't have an agent and somehow like there is somebody that's representing Roquan Smith going around the league uh looking for looking for a possible trade partner. But the fact was that the fact was that the Chicago Bears didn't grant permission for Roquan Smith to request a trade. And it comes down to some big, it comes into some big mess where it come, it, like it ends up being involved with tampering and all this other stuff, which where you don't want to get involved with because of the fact that the NFL teams can get in trouble for that. Um, which a lot of folks like to emphasize on the fact that just is, is, it's important for you to have professional representation uh, via agent uh, due to the fact that these type of situations. And also like when you, when like when you represent yourself, like it's, it's very, very hard to focus on what your job is and your job is to be playing football. So I, me personally, it was, if I was put in that situation where I'm making millions of dollars, I understand the fact that there's fears of, of possible agents just trying to 
look out for themselves. Like there's been there's been stories about agents in the past where they sat back and been stealing money from players, but it, it, it it's all it's all a trust factor. I can understand the fact why you wouldn't, but it's all it's all a trust factor. Like how are you able to, you know, are you able to? It, it's hard. It's hard. I can't even speak. I can't even speak on that on on, on that because like it, it's very very hard, very hard. But like there have been a couple of success success players that have have been able to manage themselves. When it come down to DeAndre Hopkins, where he was able to negotiate his two year fifty four million dollar contract with the Arizona Cardinals, but they had like it has like has like some incentives in it where he has to catch a certain amount of balls. Um, Richard Sherman negotiated his three year. Uh, two twenty-seven point five million dollar contract with the San Francisco 49ers. and of course Lamar Jackson, who negotiated his four-year nine million dollar contract, his rookie contract, which is in the process of negotiating his extension. Which we're in limbo about that one, which we'll probably get into a little bit, probably on the next pod, because I feel like it, it's 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 right around the corner. I feel like they're like right there on that contract, but. Getting back to Roquan Smith, my my whole thing is with Roquan Smith, considering the fact that he's he's not exactly happy with the extension that the Chicago Bears possibly have on the table. I considering the fact that Roquan Smith is not a middle linebacker, I feel like the 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 price tag is a little bit different when it comes down to the middle linebacker and an outside linebacker. If you don't know, he's Roquan Smith is an outside linebacker, doesn't play in the middle. So it's it's it responsibility is a little bit different. Now, what I wanted to get into was when Ian Rappaport reported that Roquan Smith was going to travel with the team to Seattle, which mind you, he hasn't been practicing and he's not going to play against the Seattle Seahawks. Like there was a league insider, Benjamin Albright who tweeted after the Ian Rappaport report and said that uh, Roquan Smith may stay in Seattle, which got a lot of buzz. And now it, it, now it, it take, take the time to sit here and I'm thinking about it. We're being honest. Like Chicago, they're in a rebuilding stage. They nuked the whole, the whole thing. Brand new, brand new head coach, brand new general manager. Uh, they got rid of some of the veteran players: Allen Robinson, Danny Trevathan, um, Khalil Mack. Like they, they want to, they want to rebuild the, they want to rebuild the roster. I feel like Raekwon Smith could have been a nice stepping stone for, well, excuse me, a nice cornerstone for them moving forward, but. It may be possible that they may end up want to go ahead and 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 get some get some draft capital out of that. Uh, when we look at the Seattle Seahawks as a possible trade partner, it makes sense. It, it it really makes sense considering the fact that they have multiple multiple first round picks. Uh, they have a lot of cap space next year. Consider the fact they got rid of Russell Wilson. They just got they just got finished paying DJ D, DK Metcalf. Excuse me, but it's it was what's weird. What's weird to me is the fact that I feel like 
the Seattle Seahawks are not a team ready to compete yet. Like, I feel like they're about two, two, maybe three years. Like, you you look at the quarterback, it's a question mark with 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 uh, with Drew Locke. Yes, they have some they have some pieces on the offensive end with the two receivers with um DK Metcalf and and and, and Lockett, but really like there's really not much to talk about jamal adams like there's really not much to talk about now there's folks there's there's folks out there that think that Pete carroll considering how he's up there in age like he's not looking to rebuild the roster but time will tell but we just we're just like just looking at it like is it possible is it possible that roquan smith could possibly be a seattle seahawk like just did just just doing a little bit of recon. Um one of the Seattle Seahawks assistants, Sean Desai, what well, was the defensive coordinator for the Chicago Bears. There's a, a relationship right there where he has ties, Roquan Smith has ties with a coach in the organization. So I definitely wouldn't rule it out. Like Roquan Smith is a very, very special player. It's a lot of teams that want him. It's a, it's a lot of teams like I, I like a lot of teams that want that need a Roquan Smith on that on that roster. So it, it's I, we'll we'll see we'll we'll see what happens in moving forward in Seattle. So I know we talked about Ben Simmons a lot in the past. A lot of people have mixed feelings about Ben Ben Simmons. A lot of those feelings are negative, uh, but. Ben Simmons and the Philadelphia 76ers have settled uh, the grief, the grievance that was filed for Ben Simmons to get some of his money back uh, that he ended up missing out on because of the fact that he didn't play for the 76ers in 2021. Now I know it's been a while. So I went ahead and got together a little, a little brief timeline of how this thing went down. So 2020, there was a couple, they were, there were multiple reports of the possibility of Ben Simmons being traded for James Harden. And then the Brooklyn Nets went ahead and pulled the trigger and they ended up stealing away James Harden in that trade it was a multiple multiple team trade. They ended up stealing James Harden, which I felt like it kind of rubbed Ben Simmons. Well, started this whole dom- domino effect with Ben Simmons and, and the Philadelphia 76ers. And then there was the criticism after the playoff game versus the Washington Wizards where Ben Simmons ended up having like a double-double 15 assists and like 15 rebounds or something like that. And people was criticizing Ben Simmons for his performance. This is what I do not understand. Like, there's more, there's more to the game than just scoring points. And people need to understand the fact that, okay, Ben Simmons, he can he can bring other elements to the game than just scoring the basketball. Like he's a phenomenal passer. He's a fun. He, he, has the ability to get his get his hands on the on the basketball on and rebounding and stuff like that. So I don't understand why people put so much pressure on him to want to have to shoot the basketball where he's able to put his put his teammates 
in perfect positions for them to score. Now, I will say this. In that playoff series versus the Atlanta Hawks, he was 15 for 45 from the field. I believe it was 33% and was 34% from the free throw line, which was a playoff worse. Understand that field goal percentage definitely has to go up, but the amount of criticism that he did take for that, especially for him passing up a dunk, it happens. Like you just sitting there, like you you're in the peripherals. The fans are criticizing him for his ability to get himself involved on in the offense as far as scoring. Like it's understandable. He had a choke moment. Every player has a choke moment. LeBron had his choke, well, had quite a few choke moments. So it happens to the best of the players. Like, it's just how you respond to it. Unfortunately, Ben Simmons decided he didn't want to play for this Philadelphia 76ers in 2021. Um, also, another thing, I wasn't exactly on board with Doc Rivers when he was asked after the game was that he was uncertain about Ben Simmons' future with the Philadelphia 76ers. Like, I feel like you that's you basically throwing a player under the bus when you end up saying something outrageous like that. Like, I feel like, you say whatever it is you need to say on the camera, positive as possible, then behind closed door doors, we're going to establish it that way. We're not going to give the media something to go off on. Oh, well, uh, Doc Rivers is, is not uncertain about Ben Simmons' future due to his performance in the playoffs. That's something that you don't want. But moving on in the timeline, after that, Ben Simmons didn't report to training camp. He was fine multiple times. And then leading up to the Philadelphia 76ers first game, they um, Ben Simmons reported and he ended up missing more time due to mental health issues. And then finally, during, I want to say it was February 10th, 2022, February 10, 2022, they finally pulled the blockbuster trade to send Ben Simmons to the Brooklyn Nets for James Harden. And Brooklyn ended up getting Seth Curry and, and Andre Drummond in like two first round picks. And then, of course, Ben Simmons had the back back injury where he had a herinated disc. Ended up not playing at all for the 2021 season. Here's my thing. When you, I, I still think that the Brooklyn Nets won this trade. Like, it's only a matter of time before James Harden's like, I, I don't want to play for the 76ers anymore. Like, it's rap. Like, I ain't, I ain't with that. And I feel like the Brooklyn Brooklyn Nets got compensated a little bit, a little bit too much for just Ben Simmons. Even though Ben Simmons is a phenomenal player. Phenomenal player, but I felt like the leverage was all it. I just just the two first round picks. That's that's a lot, and two start starting caliber players. Even though Andre Drummond is not on the team anymore, but two starting caliber players. That's that's a lot. That's a that's a lot, like literally a lot for just that one player. But it just shows you the the kind of player caliber player that you're going to get out of Ben Simmons because Ben Simmons was inked to a lot of teams, 
uh, during the whole trading uh, trading process. Like he was linked to the Sacramento Kings. He was linked to the uh, Golden State Warriors. He was linked to the uh, Portland Trailblazers. Like there were so many teams that were interested in Ben Simmons. It was just the price tag was a little bit too high. Like I believe like the highest price I saw for Ben Simmons was probably like starting was three first round picks, three first round picks and three start and caliber players. Like that was the asking price. So I like the Brooklyn Nets moving forward. Like I, I feel like if Kevin Durant decides to stay, they, they end up squashing whatever beef that they have with Steve Nash, even though I'm not very high on Steve Nash, just by the way the coaching was in that in that in that in that first round in the playoffs versus the the Boston Celtics. I feel like they could be one of the best teams in the league. Like they got Claxton at the center position, like he's an upcoming star. Kyrie, I, 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 I really want them to trade Kyrie. Like I don't, I don't see where this works with Kyrie. It, it just doesn't work for me. Like you gotta, like you can get multiple players for for Kyrie, and then Ben Simmons obviously is going to be on the roster for some time. And Kevin Durant, and they, like Ben Simmons could just play off of Kevin Durant. Like Ben Simmons doesn't require the basketball. He's going to do his thing. He's going to play defense. He's going to pass the basketball. Like. Ben Simmons is like the most unselfish player that you can play with. And it just works out perfectly where the Brooklyn Nets can, can are, can be favorites. They literally can be favorites. Last thing before we end up closing out this tonight's pod. Madden 23 just recently came out. Um, I told myself I wasn't going to buy another Madden game, but here I went turn around, just bought another Madden game. Now, just, just a little brief, just a little brief review of, of Madden 23. Like I played for the past two days. Now, um, the new feature that they added, I want to start off with that. With the new court, new, new throwing mechanic, where they really emphasized on the bullet pass, the the pimp, the 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 back shoulder throws and stuff like that. Like it's 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 a little bit of an adjustment for me, but I, I feel like at a point I'm going to be able to get used to it. Um, it. It gives you better control. It gives you better control over uh, the, your quarterback's throws, which I, I, I I'm liking. Now. Like I don't think this is ever going to be changed back. My biggest issue is just the just the rank games. Like it's got like I needed to be on simulation, and the reason why I want this to be on simulation is because of the fact that is because I feel like players like mobile players like Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, and and Kyler Murray. I feel like users take advantage of those players a little bit too too aggressively. And I say that because of the fact that they're able to run around and do whatever they want with those players with minimal consequence. And what I mean by that is like when your players are fatigued, you're supposed to not be able to have the same capabilities. That's why I respect 2K a lot. And like for set for example, like Lamar Jackson could have had like a, a 15 to 20 second play where he was running around the whole field. He's going to be exhausted in real life. So I feel like if he was to go ahead and turn around and do that two or three straight times in a row, like there should be some consequence where there'd be 
and it'd be an increased chance of a fumble or maybe a possibility where he's incapable of making a certain kind of throw because he is tired and he can't make that throw or possibly can't just can't break a tackle. It's that, and like I just feel like this whole game planning situation, like like before the game starts, they have you go in and you game plan, like whether we emphasize on short passes, medium passes, deep passes, um, inside run, outside run, stuff like that. They emphasize like you can pick between those game plans, and then you have another option of doing it again at halftime here's my problem with it you could turn around and be up by a touchdown at halftime you can go ahead and be like you know what we're going to go ahead and run the ball we're going to run the game out run the clock out switch to inside runs and you could throw an interception and you could be tied for tied for the game then you just get a totally momentum shift where the opposing team just takes the lead and you could end up down and you have your game plan emphasized on inside runs where the negative side of inside runs is degrading pass protection so it's very very hard for you to get back into the game by you manually switching your your game plan well game plan for calling completely opposite plays of what you game plan to do so but I think is I'm I'm just not I'm just big I'm just not a big huge fan of the whole game planning situation. Now another positive that I have for 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 Madden 23 is the franchise mode. Uh, there have been lots of complaints, lots of complaints about the franchise mode uh, over the years, and I I was inclined to agree. I believe the reason why I stopped playing Madden 22 was because I was unable to download community files. Like I need that. I need that draft class of 2023. Need that draft class of 2023. It it brings more authenticity to the game for me to have those 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 draft picks, those real names. Those like those are the things that I really really want while I'm playing it. So like I didn't. I stopped playing man of 22 because of that but they were on point with it this year like they added a new system in there where players how are a little bit more they broke it down how how how, what what players are actually looking for in team signings and i'm gonna give you an example because like me and banks we sit down and we do these these we we do these team rebuilds that we try to find the teams that need the most rebuilding. So we went ahead and did the Houston Texans. I was a Houston Texans. He was a Jacksonville Jaguars. Obviously the Jacksonville Jaguars are a little bit more talented than the Houston Texans. But one of the things that I noticed, like when we sat, when we, when we got to the free agency period, like players, like there's, there's a, there's a, there's a screen on there for free agency. What players are interested in? Like is there no, is there state tax? How's the weather? What's the play scheme looking like? All those, all these different things that they have optional for players to want to have. Like, does it have a winning culture? Do they have, do they have, do they have a a a, a, a franchise quarterback? Like those stuff like that. They added it into the game where it can affect if players will sign with a team. Now, considering how it was the Houston Texans, it was extremely difficult for me to sign these players. Considering the fact they don't have a franchise quarterback, they're not a winning team. 
head coach is a little bit suspect. So it was extremely difficult for me to sign some of these players due to the fact that was the reason. But at the same time, it was extremely interesting that I was able to, like players are going to say no to a team like the Houston Texans considering the fact that they they lack in winning culture. <laughs> Excuse me. They lack in winning culture. So that's one of the things I'm I'm really enjoying about franchise mode for Madden 23. Um really outside of that for Madden, like it's it's a it's a pretty decent game so far. You gotta get back to me like a week or two later when I really got my deep dive into it. It's like again, I was on the fence about buying it. Really, I was on the fence. I was I was like had the devil on one shoulder and the in the and the and, and the angel on the other shoulder. I was like, should I buy it? Should I buy it? Should I buy it? I just went ahead and turned around and just bought it because of the fact that I just wanted to play it a little bit more and then I would just make my make my DP vow. But I guess we can go ahead and call that a pod. Um it's 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 good to be back again on the visual side. We are in high def 1080p. 1080p. It's been a long time coming. It's been a long time coming. But you know what it is. This is the Vore. This is the Not for the Bay podcast. I'm up out of here, man. <laughs>